Tech fans, it's time for Up with the White and Gold. I'm Jeremy the Impact York. This is GT John Watts, my co-host. How are you, John? I'm um, a little tired. It's been a, been a busy, busy week, busy weekend. But, you know, we're here. We're making it through. Uh, well, I mean, there's, you know, there's there's not much of a, a better way to put it than uh, you probably put in more work this week than than uh, your football team here. Yeah, it was it was definitely an interesting game this weekend. It's not a not a really a score that we wanted to see. That's it's a it's a little rough. It's, it might hurt a little bit more than my sunburn. <laughs> I it, it 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 might it might sting a little for lack of a better way to put it. Uh, I mean, it was a high-scoring affair, though. 42 total points were scored. The unfortunate part about that is they were all scored by the opponents visiting uh, Old Miss Lane Kiffins. Now, I'll be the first to say, too, that I, I'm a big Lane Kiffin fan. Uh, I think he, he didn't get fair shakes at places like uh, Oakland, um, some other places, but uh, – he wins most places he goes. He's been able to turn around his career. He's a really good coach. Uh, it's unfortunate for the for Georgia Tech that he was on the other side of uh, the sideline. But, uh, you know, we'll get into Ole Miss and their efforts here in a minute. Uh, what kind of takeaways did you have from, from Georgia Tech? I mean, there are definitely some, some areas that we were um, – did okay, and there's some areas that I think we continue to talk or talk about each week that really need to kind of work. I mean, we we talked about Sims and consistency. I mean, he you know gave Rutherford a 38 yard you know pass that was you know, Rutherford's career high. I mean, I know we say career high as I mean a freshman, um, redshirt freshman, but you know it's it something good for them. Um, there are some definitely some good points on an individual basis. I Ely is still, I mean, one of the top defensive guys, in, you know, in the nation. Um, I read some stats where, you know, some of the stats he has, he's the only um, player in the entire nation that has these kind of stats um, and, you know, just kind of built on them. So, I mean, there's definitely some areas that are good. Um, there's some areas that continue still need to work on. Um, I think for – uh, defensively, on offensively as well. I mean, I think with kind of looking at early on the offense, it's they were making some some good things, but then you know, them just kind of all over the place. Uh, so again, like we talked about before, that consistency and you know, getting to the receivers, um, kind of like I saw in some of the previous games where he'd overthrow it a couple times, but then you know, like I said, hit one for 38 yards. Um, so I mean it's it's kind of still consistent it's consistent play but still we need to just kind of do better in some areas and this is yeah Ole Miss capitalized on those areas oh yeah they they definitely did and Ole Miss I haven't seen enough of their games this year to know if if they did some of these things on purpose but uh, they actually they used the up tempo early and it was just in the Georgia Tech defense. I mean, it was not quite Oregon where it's like 14 plays in a minute, but it was 10 plays in a minute. It was, you know, get back to the line, see the play, keep going. And, and it seemed like it just 
it just had Georgia Tech on their back foot so early on that it just it didn't quite pan out. And you know, as we were talking about, you're only down three scores at halftime, twenty-one nothing. I, I very much think they were still in this game, and then uh, the Ole Miss Rebels had to double their score in the third quarter. Uh, even though they didn't score in the fourth quarter. So, I mean, I, I guess there's that shutout. But if if you want to call it that, it may just be that they had their third, fourth string guys in and they just didn't score. But, I mean, it was kind of a, another weird performance day for Georgia Tech in a game that they had a chance to win, at least until about halftime. Yeah. I think, uh, like I said, no. yeah. being down 21 and nothing is not – you know, significant um, thing. I mean, if we could have come out in the half and kind of capitalize on things, but it was kind of more the same than what we saw in the in the first half. Is you know, you get going for a little bit and stall out, and then just kind of kept going that way. And then um, special teams again, some areas, you know, another block punt uh, we saw, and just unable to really kind of hold them. So when they came out in that third quarter, I mean, coming out, I mean, most teams, you know, on the, on the opening kickoff, they want to receive the ball the second half. And we saw, you know, they, they wanted to go and use that offense that they have. They're, they're, they're great offense for Ole Miss. And, I mean, that's clearly why they're ranked. And some, sometimes they're 17, sometimes they're 20. And clearly they have a rank for a reason. Um, so, and then coming in the second half, they tried to stall out and they just, you know, put the, I guess, what you call the putting the foot to the pedal and kind of just kind of going. Um, I know, I know I read some things that Lane, there's a story that Lane Kiffin said that he chose his quarterback to not run up the score on us because of Collins being in the, in the hot seat. So uh, it really could have been worse. But yeah, and and I'll mm-hmm. use that as the transition. You know, I told you that uh, a friend of mine and a friend of the show, or, yeah, friend of the show, Lee Johnson, uh, him and a buddy of his took in the game. He had some cool photos up, and uh, I sent him a message and said, uh, "Man, that was a high-scoring game." And he direct quote from Lee right here, who is uh, is very pragmatic, very uh, under, you know, very straight-laced in the way he's going to tell you something. He's not going to sugarcoat it. Uh, he says, at one point, I was wondering if Ole Miss would get 80-plus. Georgia Tech w- w- wasn't prepared to play in any aspect of the game. They looked like a scout team. The opening kickoff was the last moment that it was competitive. And that he was, uh, from the picture I'm looking at, it looks like he may be – Maybe in the upper section of the lower bowl. Looks like he's about maybe twenty rows from the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at least that's what he saw. I would say I agree. I mean, even I mean, kind of. Uh, I was fortunate somewhere else that I could see the game live, but no, I've been watching some recaps or even the stories. And, I mean, that sounds about pretty accurate of what went on. So it's it's. I mean, we like to kind of point out the good things here, but it was it was definitely a, it's a rough one at the end of the day. But you know, we it's we can either you know well on that or 
kind of move on and see what we're doing with uh, UCF this week. Yeah. And uh, we'll get into the UCF stuff. Uh, uh, you know, I guess we kind of beat around the bush there. For people who don't know, Ole Miss, 42, Georgia Tech, nothing. That that was the score of that. Um, but, yeah, we'll kind of transition off of that. There is a couple things I told you I, I'm totally surprising you in, in what they are. But I said there is a, a pretty significant rumor that would coincide with uh, what half the fan base wants anyway that I actually heard uh, at a Georgia State game as part of a, a media, just some of the media people were talking back and forth about Georgia Tech. Uh, so I'll, I'll get your initial reaction to this rumor. Uh, the rumor is that if Georgia's, Georgia Tech was so inclined to look for a new coach, that um, they m- may look into uh, primetime candidates that uh, maybe Deion Sanders would be the next coach here at Georgia Tech. I mean, wow, I mean, that does seem pretty interesting. Um, from what I understand with primetime and Deion, he is really embracing what he's doing down there at Jackson State. Um, mm-hmm. He's strong kind of building that, you know, the ACCU kind of, you know, bringing in kids to really, you know, hey, we just because we're a smaller school in the HBCU, there's still great kids down there. They're doing a great job down there. Um, that I mean, that might I mean, sound good to have a player, a player in the career like he did, but in my honest opinion, I don't think that would happen. And, and I agree with that. That's what I told them. I was like, look, first of all, we know he's a seminal, uh, true and true. I don't think he would jump in the ACC and go against them uh, potentially yeah. once a year or better. And, uh, I mean, could he go for the FSU job if it was open? Sure. Um, a lot of people tend to think the Auburn job could be open as well. But the way I'll transition this is is to ask you the question. I was almost going to – when we we're going to start this show, like from the beginning – I was going to almost every week ask you this question, but it, it may be an every week question now. But question yep. to you, being the alum that you are and uh, and the, the fan of Georgia Tech as you are right now. You know, it's really kind of always been one of those kind of things that, you know, he's brought in. You know, he's, he's a Georgia boy. He understands, I mean, there is understand the culture, and I think that was great for Matt. Um, there's, um, but when it kind of comes to what's on the field, there's something missing. There's something that we're not clicking, um, you know, not running on all cylinders. <laughs> we were talking about uh, motorsports here, but yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. Like I want to, I want to be behind. You know the coach and and see it through, but I just don't know how much longer we can do you know, these small in seasons. It's gonna it's gonna have to we're gonna have to produce something. And playing like we did this week, playing like we did against Clemson, it's just not gonna work. We can't, you know, go three wins like 
I would have been doing. Um, and, uh, it's, it doesn't appear to be that, yeah, there's the right fit when it comes to the, when it comes on the field. I mean, he may be great with the kids and students and team and all that and great, but I, I'm like I said, I don't want to put it out yet, but it just, something's not working. And I don't know if that's somebody's missing something from what he's saying to the field or he's just not, it's not working. Something's not working. Um, and it hasn't worked yet. But, but I know, I mean, like people said, it's, it was a hot, it was a hot to feel when running into what we did under Paul Johnson doing that, you know, triple option spread offense for so many years to try to come in and completely change that and run a normal um, non-spread offense like you're used to. And to learn that and try to teach that, it's, uh, it's, it's hard, but... Personally, I'm going to try try to stick behind them. I'm not going to be, you know, like some of these bandwagon fans who just jump off. I mean, I've got a lot of those that I've talked to that I've known that just like just giving up. And I'm like, I don't know. It, it's a really hard question. Yeah, and and I guess I should have prefaced it with saying that both of us in general we're we're these kind of people as as well. We don't advocate for anyone losing their job. Um, at all, you know, I, I wish everybody could keep their job, but it just unfortunately doesn't work that way, especially in, in college and professional sports. Uh, just kind of glancing over the schedule. Outside of, of maybe UCF uh, or Duke, I'm not sure there's a win on the board and that's not going to help Jeff Collins that much. And the way that they played this past weekend against Ole Miss, because they got shut out, because good teams get shut out just as good as bad teams do. Uh, the effort that I saw and sometimes the lack of it, it it comes down to coaching at that point. And I, I don't know if it was uh, position coaches who didn't have the kids ready to play. I don't know if it was uh, – Coach Collins not making sure that his coaches had them ready to play. I don't know what happened, but there was a disconnect, I think, somewhere with the coaching. I'm not going to completely blame the coaching because, uh, you know, the the guys still had to go out there and play, and they just didn't execute. You know, they they should be of a sound mind to know that, hey, this is not working. Maybe we should go rogue and kind of change it ourselves. And and it didn't seem like they did that either. So, uh, you know, collectively, it just seems like there was a disconnect. And it – for now, Collins has his job. We'll have to see what happens. But like I said, I mean, you got UCF, Pitt, Duke, Virginia, Florida State, Virginia Tech, Miami, North Carolina. I just saw them play up close against Georgia State. I, You might be a 30-point dog by the time that game starts. And then you finish <laughs> off with, with uh, the defending national champs that you might be a 50-point dog going into that one. Uh, lack of a better term, I guess. It's uh, I don't. I mean, whoever put this schedule together, my goodness, must uh, must have uh, uh, his bookie on retainer uh, taking the under or something because uh, it's a loaded loaded schedule. Yeah, I mean that's definitely a thing we face you know, every year. It's, uh, those, it's kind of we 
play certain school uh, every year. We always play Clemson. We're always going to see Duke and North Carolina. Some of the other ones, you know, are kind of flip-flop. But, you know, with ACC, I mean, I mean especially back in the, you know, the 90s, 2000s, what the ACC was doing. Um, and some of those things are really kind of coming back around. Clemson, like I said, has always kind of been up there the last couple of years. UGA is always kind of been one of those top dogs, pardon the pun. Um, <clears throat> but like I said, last year, national champion, they're number one right now. And it is the last game of the season, so we'll see what they do. But you know, the way George is playing, I mean, they have a chance to repeat. So that's something Harvard does always. But, you know, it's week in, week out. It's, it can be hard. I mean, and then we try to, I mean, just like a lot of schools do, kind of schedule some non-conference games to try to get some work in. But clearly Ole Miss was not the school to schedule. <laughs> well, <laughs> and, and in all fairness, usually the way scheduling works is it's usually two, three, four years out. So it could have been as much as four years ago. Could have been could have been a Paul Johnson thing before he left that he scheduled Ole Miss to come in, uh, you know, this particular year. And you just ran into the fighting Lane Kiffins who are the 20th best team in the country. Right. I know we definitely have on schedule. I, I know we have Kennesaw State coming up in a couple of years. Um, I, would, I haven't looked lately, but I wouldn't be surprised if I saw Georgia State, you know, just kind of play some of those interstate schools on just um, Georgia Southern. I mean, you know, we used to have a coach who was a former Georgia Southern coach, so – and we usually get those on the schedule, you know, way in advance and kind of schedule those out. Um, and of course, I mean, we know Kennesaw State. I mean, I mean, you and I personally know where that coach came from. Um, yep. And anybody always case from Kennesaw State, you know where that comes from. So there's always that as well. So, I mean, and again, like I said, it could be year to year. I mean, it could be a good year for a school. It could be a bad year for a school. You just don't know. Really, what we're going to see, and hopefully, I can be all right. But like you said, it's definitely going to be a tough schedule. Um, Duke, maybe it's been it's really really good year to year with them. It used to be, you know, Duke was on the schedule, you know, we were good, but Duke kind of stepped it up over the last, I mean, a good bit of years. They've really kind of stepped up their program, so it's really a coin coin flip. And we used to say, I mean, we have Virginia at home. Uh, it was good for a very long time. We just could not win in the state of Virginia. Um, and we got Virginia Tech in Virginia. So it, it's definitely a schedule. Always been a hard schedule for us. Um, I mean, I don't expect it to us to turn around and be magically the team we were in 1990 or those years before, but um, we definitely, I mean, work on something and be quicker. But if we end up this year with less than three wins, uh, you might see a you might need, might see a new coach next year. Yeah, and and restarts and rebuilds are always so hard because it'll take a year or two or sometimes three for the new coach to to filter out the old coach's players that don't fit his scheme and to get his guys in there. And it just means you set your program back a couple more years. But uh, before we go to break, I do have the answer to the trivia question there. Um, 
Georgia State will visit Bobby Dodd in 2024. I actually already know that it's going to be August 31st. And uh, the Yellow Jackets will visit Georgia State September 19th of 2026. Okay. Uh, I thought I remember seeing that in the home and away series. So. Yeah. Well, because there are actually a lot of ties between um, the sports and and departments of Georgia State and and Georgia Tech. So um, I'm surprised it took this long for them to play each other. Yeah, I mean, it, it's weird how things like more like that. I mean, we talked we talked about it sometimes around here, you know, a long time ago. Um, Carrollton and Central Carroll, it was just down the road. I mean, they used to always play each other, but yeah, it's been a very long time since they've done it. So, kind of weird. Sometimes you kind of see things like that. It's it happened for a long time and just nothing. So, like I said, depending on who scheduled it, it's going to be a rough one for Georgia. I feel it's going to be that way, but uh, let's take a break real quick. Let's hear a little bit about our friends at betonline.net, and when we come back, we will preview the Georgia Tech-UCF game, and and, uh, we'll tie that into betonline.net because uh, once you see the spread, I think you'll figure out which way you should probably bet on it. But we will be right back after this break. Hi, this is Jeremy the Impact York from Strong Style, Board Check, and That Sports Show. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, including this year's opening games. BetOnline is also your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions. BetOnline, where the game starts. And we're back here on Up With The White and Gold. He's GT John Watts. I'm Jeremy The Impact York. Uh, Make sure to go visit our friends at BetOnline.net. They uh, they have the podcast, they have the articles, they do so much of the legwork for you, even if you're not going to bet. If you just want to seem smart around your friends or seem smarter, like you know more about things, the inside of college sports, go check them out. And they, they do pro sports and all kinds of stuff. Look, hockey's going to be starting up soon, so go check out the lines on those. Uh, speaking of which, speaking of which, I'm not sure what ESPN bases theirs off of. But do you know what the spread is for the Georgia Tech UCF game? Well, I, I read one article that has UCF by twenty. Yeah, I got twenty and a half. <laughs> it was like it's it's not uncommon to see a power power conference against a non power conference have a twenty point difference, but it's usually that the power conference is not the underdog. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, as we were talking in the break, um, you know, uh, like you said earlier about teams coming around, uh, Georgia Tech has, has kind of fallen into being kind of the Vanderbilt of the ACC. They're, they're no more as the smart school that, that boosts the GPA across the board as opposed to the actual, you know, 
talented football team that could beat people. And, and I mean, that's, it, it's, it is what it is, but now we've seen the Purdue's and we've seen the Vanderbilt's that are, that were known as just the smart schools. Uh, suddenly they're kind of good. So there's kind of hope that this thing can turn around. Yep, definitely. And, and I saw Vanderbilt play once live, but that was you know, years, years ago. Uh, 20 years ago when I saw them play live. Um, back, back when I was a, a freshman at Georgia Tech and I got to see them um, at home, and they were not a school to best play well. Um, and, you know, this is way back in there before all the all the differences we had, but like I said, you know, school come around. UCS, um, they're I mean they have, they're they're unlike we're one and two, they're two and one in the season. Um, so and coming off a they're coming off a twenty six point you know, win. Yeah. So when I could get it, I mean they. It blew out South Carolina State 56 to 10 in their first game last week. They were 40 to 14 against Florida Atlantic. Uh, their one loss is another ACC school, uh, which was a lot closer, 20 to 14. So yep. I mean, they're still still playing them in that game. I mean, they only lost by a touchdown. So I mean, and just to just to bring it full circle, uh, they lost 20 to 14. Georgia Tech will play in the Chick-fil-A kickoff next year, correct? Uh, that is correct. So, you know. <laughs> World's getting smaller. <laughs> right? So, we, and we see what UCF doing against them. It kind of gets an idea on what we're looking at next year, of course. Again, to open up the season in the kickoff, I mean, at least it won't be a top five school this time, but, you know, it's yes. Well, that's that's another debate for another day if Clemson is a top five uh, program right now. But they're, they're really good. We'll put it that way. Right. I mean, uh, I've ranked team. I mean, we'll see that. But, yeah, I mean, coming in, like I said, Saturday, I mean, we're going down to UCF. Um, definitely got to get on the bus this time. Um, we got to get off the bus. When there's that too, so make sure we get on the right bus. Um, or as you said earlier, the way the uh, the stadium this, this is a great theory. This could actually be true. It's just quirky enough to actually make sense. You said that the the new stadium, Bobby Dodd or whatever, is on top of the old stadium. Maybe the Yellow Jackets thought the game being against Ole Miss was at the old stadium, and they were actually underneath the whole time. I mean. Might have been old Miss, but I think that would miss something. Um, yeah, the Rebel but, did, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they definitely not miss. Um, but yeah, I mean, so it'll be interesting. We'll get to go, to go down there. Um, like I've been saying every week, capitalize on those areas. Um, it's it's going to be you know tough matchup. Yes. Yeah. And not, you know, a lot of these schools that like to, you know, consider some of their non-conference being cupcakes are, are really aren't. I mean, 
even even playing Western Carolina in the beginning, they were staying with us. So, you know, with the offense that UCF has, it's you know they're they've got speed. You know, the running backs are speed. You know, we've got a quarterback who's prone to running. So it's going to be one of those where you know keep constant who you're going to block, um, not let him you know, get too free. Um, so I mean it's we're looking at you know it, it's definitely going to be all we got to you know kind of on those areas is um, they're a good run team. It's their quarterback is you know kind of kind of iffy on on their passing like ours, but you know they're they're. So we kind of if we can kind of match up on that and kind of do that, but if they're if he's going to be a runner, you know, just another guy already in our front line got to kind of block. Um, and you've got a running back who's you know, averaging nearly you know a first down every carry. It's going to be kind of going to be kind of hard. So again, the front line got to block. Um, yep, so they've got a. We've got a wide receiver who's an Alabama transfer, so it's, it's going to be a good good matchup, and we've definitely got to kind of bring it. Well, but it's that I did see in, uh, during the Ole Miss Georgia Tech game is that both Ole Miss and Georgia Tech had between thirty and thirty three transfers on their rosters. So I mean that's a good thing that players are wanting to come to the program. I mean it it could have been a lot lower, but to to know that what half your roster is people transferring in, I mean that that's definitely a good thing. Uh, as we uh transition to the end of the show here we'll, we'll go over our three keys to victory. Uh, what would you say is one of the most important things Georgia Tech needs to do to be anywhere close to a victory against UCF? Sims uh, definitely got to get more consistent. Um, it's he's I mean he's got it looks like I mean, he has an idea. I mean he's got you know open open players. He knows where he needs to put the ball. He's just either you know just just too much a little bit here. Or not enough here, and then he connects on a good play. We're going to work on that consistency um, and hitting those receivers. If we're going to, you know, make those plays that we want to do, you know, down the field. Um, I know we want to do. We really want to try to do a run game to back that up, but going to have to be consistent if we're going to do down the field. Yeah. Um. I'm gonna say just in looking at um just in looking at what they seem to be quite good at. They seem to be pretty balanced. But um I think the Georgia Tech defense, especially these linebackers, are gonna to have to really key in on stopping the run. Uh I think Rise Plumley is his uh, is the main rusher. He's got fifty three carries for three hundred and four yards and three touchdowns. Uh I think, like I said, especially the linebackers, but I think stuff in the run is where they're going to have to start. And if they force UCF to have to pass a lot, I, I think it's actually going to put them in a better situation to win. Yeah, nobody agree there. Like I talked about them, that, that quarterback being a dual threat and um, yeah. a great speed. Um, 
they are very much to have a you know the dynamic rushing attack. They're up tempo. Um, we're going to kind of block that. We definitely got to do better than what we did at Ole Miss. Uh, yeah. No. Before we do the before we do the the third key, uh, let's see one thousand and eighty two is the number of yards that their quarterback has total between passing and rushing just by himself this year. Yeah, and that's that's ridiculous. I mean, on a, on a quarterback, and, you know, they're only three games in. Um, yeah. So it's clearly, um, it's done, it's a, you know, a great piece for their, for their offense. He's going to have to work on that. And like I said, be able to block that run is great. But on top of that, you know, we don't want to block it so much that we leave them wide open, uh, which we just you know do this year, previous years as well as um, that kind of coverage there. All right. So key one, we had Sims needs to be a a more consistent uh, player in general, but uh, especially in his passing. Uh, number two, I said that they need to really key in on, on uh, stuff in the run and keep that under control. Uh, what's the third key to victory? I mean, you know, outside of getting points on the board? Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, scoring points is, is kind of uh, – uh, hopefully we don't have to actually say that. But, yeah, putting points on the board is, is something. I mean – I mean, I, yeah, I guess I'll I mean, throw this out here. How about we don't have a kick block? That, yeah, that would that be great. Would, that'd be great. They, uh, you know, Georgia State has, has a few issues with that as well this year, but uh, not quite, not quite the way Georgia Tech does. It's, it's almost like clockwork. You can you can see it happening. So uh, we'll we'll do that as our third key. Is that how about we not have a punt or a a field goal blocked um, by UCF? That I think that would be great. Yeah, that definitely. I mean, it kind of goes hand in hand with you know that the uh, up front, the line up front, you know, blocking. I know we talked about it last week or week before, whatever week it was. You know, that first guy's got to uh, know handle his assignment and not let him get all the way through. Because the first guy misses and you got all the guys behind him, they're clearly can't keep up and consistently getting out. So it's definitely, uh, they got to figure something out there. And it's, it's hard to move forward when the ball's going the other way. <laughs> and I did notice, because I, I keyed in on it when I was watching this game, and even when I went back and watched the game a second time, uh, kind of on fast forward, not really. I was looking for a few things. Uh, for somebody who gets a lot of kicks blocked a lot, Georgia Tech continues to just make a two-man wall in front of the punter where most people put a third guy. Uh, I, I've seen numerous people, numerous teams this year finally put that third guy back there. Maybe that would solve their problem is, is not having a two-man line. Yeah, I mean, that would I mean, help them. I mean, like I said, I mean, if they're going to get through that front line, and two men aren't going to be able to block everybody. So, I think it definitely would help. I mean, I don't know if that's – the way they set it up, but I think you know, the extra blocker would definitely help. 
And then lastly, we'll, we'll end on this. Uh, once again, this, this may become a, a recurring question as well. And it's, uh, do you, uh, do you truly think, truly believe Georgia Tech has the ability to win this game this week? You know, I mean, I, mean, I guess we always, I mean, they have the ability. They want to connect and, you know, hit those things that, you know, well, they know what to do. We've talked about it in all of our keys. Yeah. I mean, they definitely could do it, but it's just hard, you know, kind of see the way the game of the season has gone. Um, I mean, because we honestly could be easily zero and three. Um if we hadn't um, figured it out in the second half of the Western Carolina game. Um, so, I, I, don't, I don't know. 20 points seems like a lot, but. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm going to be closer. Keep in mind, too, and this this is something that will get addressed on, on this week's uh, GSU Panther Zone, is um, Georgia State lost 42 to 41 to Charlotte, who they were, depending on which sports book you looked at, at least a 14-point favorite to beat Charlotte. So, I mean, just because you're a 20-and-a-half-point dog doesn't mean that you're going to lose by 20 points. I mean, you could have to win the game straight up. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, I mean, it really depends. I mean, how much do they want this? Do they want to, do they want to continue doing what we've always done in these, like, these three win seasons? I mean, I don't know. It's, it's hard to tell them. Like, do they even want this? Or are they just there to do it? Or do they really want it? So, I, I don't know. It's, I would like them to win, but I, it's going to be really hard. Yeah, I, they are definitely uh, pushing the pushing the uh, the rock up the hill, uh, up the steep hill. But, yeah, I I actually think they, they they we're still in win territory. We're still in like I said, twenty twenty and a half is twenty and a half, but it's also Caesar Sportsbook that's saying that. And uh, right. I I give them credit for coming up with that. And and on paper, that's probably what it is. But I always say, you don't you don't even though they change the turf to these weird little pellets and things like that, uh, it, they're not paper pellets. And you play the game on turf, play it on grass, you play it on a field. So, I mean. I think if if they start off and can hang with them early, then then they're going to be in this game. But if it starts to get out of hand, like last week against Old Miss, then it's it's going to look like a shorter season. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But uh, other than that, yeah, you got anything else for this week's game? No, uh, no, it'll be Eric Wolf and see. No. We've got an ESPN game at 4 o'clock. So, ESPNU. I just saw ESPN. Um, so, I got a little bit. Um, let, me, let me check. Cause I, uh, let, me, let me check. Uh, according to... Hold on, it reset on me. Of course it did. Uh, ESPNU is what it's saying. 4 o'clock. That seems about right. Yep. I think I just said something. Streaming instead of ESPN. Um, well, all right. Hey, I mean, okay. Big, you're still on cable television. You're still, or satellite, however you want to say it. You're still on network. 
you're not on the streaming side. So, I mean, they think this is going to be a good game. Yeah. I mean, if being one cover, they didn't pick up on some other random thing. Or... Okay. Exactly. See that at four. I wonder what other games are at four. Um, something else they could show. I mean, they'd have to have the rights to it, I guess. Yeah. Let's see. Where are we at? It's two, three thirty. What all is at four? Uh, Oregon, Washington State. You don't have the right to that, though. Tulsa, Ole Miss. Eh, they've showed Ole Miss before. Uh, Sacramento State, Colorado State. So, uh, yeah, for the 4 o'clock spot, that's that's the best game. Yeah, it's not too bad. I mean, I don't know when it's uh, Tennessee, Florida at 3.30, so most people probably will be catching that. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, they do have a chance to win this game. Um, I, I know we both think that, that it would be nice if they do. I would like to see them get some wins on the board because the the more the more times you don't see W's on the board, uh, that, that seat's just going to get hotter and hotter for Jeff Collins. And uh, like I said, we don't advocate anyone to lose their job, but as with any job, if you are not getting the results that the higher-ups see, it, it might be a foregone conclusion. Yep. We've been in our personal lives. Same here. I mean, it's just it's our life. But, uh, you know, Tech fans are still so much to to tune in. There's still so much to, to watch with this team, watch the development of Sam. Um, Ely, Ellie, I always say it back, backwards. <laughs> Is it Ely? That's what I'm going with. I haven't heard anyone okay. say it, but that's uh, Ely could, could easily play on Sundays the way he plays on Saturdays. I mean, there's there's a bunch of really talented guys on this team and a lot of reasons to watch. The season is not lost. Um, you may not be an ACC contention, but uh, you know, you're you're only you're only one and two. You're not zero oh and three. It's five more wins and you're in a bowl game. That's that's not that far fetched. No, no, we're not. Well, we were talking about before schedule could be daunting, but you know, any given any given Sunday, Saturday, Monday, Thursday, you know, whatever. I mean, it could happen. I mean, it's a shame to happen. And then America won't take wood and we'll be part of state. And yeah. That's something years ago. We did beat Georgia. Yep. So, it's going to happen. You never know. Yep. That's why we tune in to watch, and that's why we appreciate you guys tuning in to watch. So, for my co-host, GT, John Watts, I am Jeremy the Impact Dork. This has been Up with the White and Gold, Episode 4. We will see you guys next week. 